Hello, everyone. And Hello. Welcome to our second podcast. Today, we're going to be reviewing World War One and basically how the First World War impacted Russia in 1917. Now, to cover the First World War and Russia, we first need to go back to the start of it all. So we're going back to 1914 and in particular, the events that led to war. Now, a number of alliances involving European powers, the Ottoman Empire, Russia and other parties had existed for years at this point. But political instability in the Balkans area, which for you guys to know is Bosnia, Serbia and Herzegovina, um, they kind of threatened to destroy these agreements. The spark that ignited World War I was in Bosnia, where Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who was the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, was shot dead, and along with his wife so- Sophie, by a Serbian nationalist named Gavrilo Princip in 1914. Um, due to this assassination, this kind of set off a rapidly escalating chain of events. Austria-Hungary, like many countries around the world, blamed the Serbian government for the attack and led to them sort of declaring war along with their allies, Germany. Now, Russia at this point in time were allies to Serbia. So they started to mobilize their forces ready to go to war due to this alliance, which then led to Germany declaring war on Russia, which brought them into the war. And the way the alliances systems were made up was we had two sides at this point. We had the triple alliance, which was Germany, Austria, Hungary and Italy, and the Triple Entente, which was Britain, France, and Russia. Oh, I just want to throw in with a little quote from Ayasha. Um, Alliances by themselves do not cause wars. They simply shed light on how nations at any particular moment view their national interests. And I think that's really interesting because what would we argue was Russia's national interest at this point? Obviously, you've got the Tsar. His interest is expanding Russia and being that all-powerful nation. So essentially joining the war is a chance for him to kind of show off their nation. And I think that's really important at this time when we consider last podcast where we reviewed that during this point, Russia are quite far behind the rest of Europe, especially when it comes to industrialization, which when we think back to World War I was a key part in that war. Indeed. So Russia enters the First World War, obviously in 1914, against Germany and Austria-Hungary. And at first, this war is kind of really popular amongst the people and there's really strong support for the Tsar. But it starts to go downhill very, very quickly. So remember that kind of Russia's empire is economically and socially backwards, which kind of preludes for that success in the war. Um, So there's a lot of battles. So the Battle of Tannenberg in August 1914... Heavy losses, 300,000 casualties. Um, they're driven out of Poland. So already they're starting to lose significantly. And then in 1915, the Tsar makes a massive political mistake by taking his own personal commands of the army. Bear in mind, the Tsar's got no experience of leading an army at all. But he decides, I'm going to lead the army and that will inspire kind of all the troops and help to renew their fighting forces to help them win. But he's got no understanding of command and he's got little understanding on the organisation of those military forces. And likewise, those also in high command 
are not there for skill, they're there over loyalty. Okay, so the people high up in the army don't necessarily have the skills to lead the army, they're just there because they're loyal to the Tsar. And this is going to have a huge issue because the Tsar obviously leaves Petrograd and leaves his wife, Alexandra, in charge. And obviously you've got the influence of Rasputin in the government. Um, and this is going to have catastrophic effects on kind of the social and economic situation that is already going on in Russia at that time. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that by 1917, large areas of the Russia Empire are lost in the West. The German army, as you said, were able to take part, take over Russian Poland, but also Lithuania and Latvia. They're losing quite a bit of their empire and quite a bit of their land. And I feel like it's important to note that even though we are fighting that Russia would not be the only country struggling at this point. And in fact, many countries face enormous casualties and the demands of war affected all areas of their society. You touched on there about the um, what was happening back in Russia at the time and this idea that he basically left the Russian government and his wife to deal with it because he'd gone yeah. on to fight in the war. Although we should note that a lot of the decisions he made were instead by his general. He kind yeah. of agreed along with it because he didn't really have that experience. So while politically and thinking about the military side of things, Russia is being affected, we also need to look at the economic and the social effects that were happening during the period of time. So the economic can easily be split down into three main ideas. So firstly, to help with the war, they printed too much money. Now, here's the thing with printing too much money, and a lot of you always ask in this business, why can't they print the money when they run out? I want you to think of it this way. If you take a glass of scotch and add water to it, it makes drink weaker. It is less strong and it starts to dilute. That's exactly the same as what happens when you print too much money. The money starts to become worthless. And this is what happened. The money became worthless. This led to inflation. And there was a rising cost of living. So... Due to this rising cost of living, it actually meant that ordinary people in Russia were actually struggling at this point. Which brings me to my second point. Between the years of 1914-17, which is only three years, this saw 17,000 million rubles spent on the war. Now, because of this, the consequence is going to be that taxes have gone up. And this is going to hit the ordinary people hard. So as I said before, the ordinary people are the ones who are fully suffering here. Government's overall spending, which is my third point, also increased by eight times. So Russia falls into debt as the government borrows huge amounts of money from other countries. So economically, this is when Russia is starting to struggle deeply, which brings me on to the social effect which is that all the pre-existing social problems that were before, they're not solved, and they're now going to start to amplify. We're going to have food shortages grow, especially when the army starts to take control of railways and roads, and they take large amounts of food to feed the army. Overall, the railway system starts to collapse because it cannot handle these demands. 
Petrograd in particular, not only do they suffer from food shortages, but they also have to cope with an influx of refugees. And these food shortages are leading to poor people in Petrograd starving. And we can't forget about the peasants especially. The peasants at this point, you've got to remember, over 15 million peasant men were basically taken away to fight in the Russian army. What this leads to is a loss of manpower, and it's not even just the men. As we noted in the previous podcast, the peasants and agriculture, it was all still very, I guess we could argue medieval, yeah. because they didn't have that industrialization. And what ends up happening is they take the manpower, but not just the manpower, they take the horses and any livestock to help with their war effort, which again has a major impact on food shortages. Again, it's kind of a cycle when you think about it. Yeah, essentially that's a whole kind of a third of their working population off fighting the war. And therefore there's not enough time to produce that food, enough people to produce that food. And especially bear in mind, you've got the harsh winters in Russia um railway lines freezing and then for further interfering with that kind of distribution of food and things like that as well yeah and we also need to remember at this time don't forget that the russian army were not prepared yeah they uh, they've got obviously outdated tactics um essentially again that idea of medieval tactics that are not kind of a match for those german machine guns um you've got kind of lazy officers, people not working as a team and essentially not good enough weapons and supplies to be able to defeat kind of the German army. I swear one of the pieces of evidence that we studied was this idea that in some cases you'd have two or three men having to share one gun, which in an active war zone is not going to do you much good. And if you look at a few of the sources at the time as well, you've got people just waiting till they're kind of fellow soldiers are dead just to pick up their weapons because they clearly don't have enough at all to kind of supply their own army when you consider all those factors you could say it is not surprising that by 1917 russia in the first world war is falling apart they're suffering heavy losses defeats and when you consider the social and economic problems that are happening back in russia it doesn't surprise us that by February the people of Russia have had enough at this point. Kind of the World War One is essentially one of those main trigger points for kind of start restarting that revolution. Nineteen oh five, like we looked at last time, sort of seems to have died down a bit, but World War One starts to pick up that kind of what do we call it? <laughs> it kind of takes the tension and amplifies it. Yeah, that's the word. Amplifies that tension further and gives Lenin essentially um, a reason to push for a revolution. And I think this is really great because if you get, for example, an explain why question, a 12 marker explaining why, for example, the Tsar was removed from power or explain why the revolution happened, I think World War One can be quite a significant cause in that because you have to look. It's not just affecting the Tsar and showing that the Tsar is in short of terms, hopeless at this point, but also the fact that they're starving, they're out of money, and by this point, they've lost quite a huge number of their population because they're either dead or off fighting the war still. And I suppose there's that whole idea, well, if World War I hadn't have happened, would the social situation and the economic situation in Russia Mm. have been the same or any different? Yeah, would they have been out of money? Would they have had no food? 
if it wasn't for World War One. And I think that's a great counter argument point that we can yeah. bring in in that 12 mark question. But just to summarize for you guys, this idea of the First World War, you can split the impacts of the First World War on Russia into four main categories. You have the military impact, which is the millions of soldiers and civilians die, loss of Russian territory. We have the economic impact, so massive inflation, high taxes, Russia falls into debt. We have the social impact, which is the farming disrupted, food shortages, transport system near breaking point, refugees from occupied areas flee east. And finally, we have the political impact. So the Tsar and advisors lose support, the Duma becomes more powerful. And I think that kind of sums up World War I for us, which brings us on to our next topic. This is going to be the Febrev. February Revolution. That ends this podcast. <laughs> 